Welcome to Defend What Matters Most Radio, where you stay informed on latest Idaho Army National Guard matters. And again, I'm your host, Tom Westall. This is a bi-weekly podcast for all of our listeners to understand what's happening within the Idaho Army National Guard with all of our monthly themes and featured units. And also, it's an opportunity for different organizations within the Idaho Army National Guard just to talk about their programs and their units and things that are happening. Today, we have Major Brian Reed with us. How are you doing today, sir? I'm outstanding. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Um, the purpose of today's podcast is to go in-depth about the Officer Candidate Program and the Warren Officer Candidate Program, which is hosted right here at Gowan Field locally. We're going to go into the training requirements, how to apply the timeline, and who you need to talk to, and things like that. So... Major Reed enlisted into the Idaho Army National Guard as a 13 Fox, which is a forward observer with the 1st of the 148th Field Artillery in 1997. From 2003 and 2005, he was contracted with the Idaho State University Army ROTC program, which is where he commissioned. He went out to flight school at Fort Rucker, Alabama to learn how to fly the UH-60 Blackhawk helicopter. From 2007-2008, he was a platoon leader for the 168 GSAB and deployed to Kuwait and southern Iraq. 2009, he changed from a UA-60 Blackhawk to the AH-64 Apache. 2009-2011, he commanded HHC, 1st and 183rd Aviation Battalion, and was lucky enough to have a second command with Charlie Company, which is a line company, 183rd Attack Reconnaissance Battalion. He moved on as the assistant S-3 with the 1st and 183rd Aviation Battalion, and then in 2012, he was hired as an AGR with the Idaho Army National Guard, specifically as the S-1 HHC, 1st of the 183rd Aviation Battalion. 2016 to now, he's the OCS, WOCS commander and senior TAC officer for the Idaho Army National Guard, and that's why he is here to speak with us today. So let's go ahead and just get right into this. OCS and let's specifically just talk about OCS right now, right? What is the traditional program requirements and the timeline to complete OCS? So again, TJ, I appreciate you having me here. So the Oscar program here on Gallon Field, uh, the traditional program technically has three phases. However, there is a pre-Officer Candidate School phase, which we call Phase Zero. Uh, we offer that to prepare Officer Candidates to go to Phase One, which is in South Dakota. For two weeks, uh, that phase zero preps them to do everything that they are, are going to do in phase one. Uh, it also gives us um, kind of visibility on these officer candidates that they have a very good opportunity to make it through phase one because it's a very tough uh, two-week program there at phase one. What, what makes it tough? So it's very physically and mentally challenging. Um, you're up very early in the morning, zero uh, five, you know, zero five thirty, and you go literally until nine or ten o'clock that night. Um, all day long, you have classroom requirements, and then you also have the platoon trainers. And if you think of them like as a drill sergeant for basic training, uh, these platoon trainers are black hats uh, for the officer candidates. So you have the classroom instruction, and then you have them uh, making it a very stressful environment um, to make you know to ensure that you have what it takes mentally to become an officer. Okay. Yeah. So during phase zero, we'll do things like drill and ceremony, uh, heavy on land navigation. Of course, uh, every drill is a PT test, a diagnostic. Uh, physical training test, the Army physical training test. And, and you know, for our listeners with the Army, the PT test comprises of um, two minutes of push-ups, two minutes of sit-ups, and a two-mile run. That's correct. And, of course, Officer Canis, you know, 
as an officer later on in your career, you set the standard for soldiers. And so we want our officer candidates to do very well uh, on that Army physical fitness test. Um, so, again, those that six months from January um, to June, they prepare to go to phase one. And we talk about in the OCS program, POI, which is program of instruction. Phase zero is not program of instruction. It's not designed. So each state can tailor it um, to fit what their needs are. Some states do it for three months. Here in Idaho, we do it for six months. So after you get done with phase zero, then you go to phase one. And that's that two-week program, 16 days in South Dakota. There are other programs that are in the United States. However, we uh, here in Idaho support the South Dakota program. Uh So why there? Again, you pretty much do everything you just did in phase zero. Uh, phase one, heavy on land navigation, um, heavy on physical training, a lot of classroom. Uh, there are some exams that you take, um, and again, it's 16 days. Is that land navigation incorporating electronic GPSs, or is it compass and map? Oh, that's a good question. No, it's it's all compass and maps. Because <laughs> uh, no, they're, and uh, we're really stringent on that too. You're not allowed to have any GPS watches. Um, it's purely your map and compass. Uh, and then this year, recently, they changed that um, where there were two separate events. You would have your day, and then you would have your night. Now you start actually at night, at two o'clock in the morning. Pitch dark, you, huh? Pitch dark, and you transition into the daytime, and it's one event. So you know, you know, I did. Uh, land, I'm an ROTC graduate, and that's that's another conversation for another time. But uh, I'm from the University of Idaho, and we did our night land navigation up on uh, top of I forget the name of the mountain, but up on this mountain in the forest. I used to get so scared all by because we had to go out by ourselves. I'd be so scared way up in the mountain yep. by myself at night with a compass, map, with a compass and a map and a little headlamp that's red. Yeah, <laughs> like no, it's what do I get myself no, into? Oh, trust me, these officer candidates, uh, some of them, uh, they don't get the experience of that phase zero program, and they come there with no experience, and then they're put right there in South Dakota with the headlamp a compass and a map, and there's been a few times you find officer cans that they're just lost. They curl up in a ball oh, somewhere. Yeah. Like, I don't they're even just, know what's going on. Yeah, they're like, oh, <laughs> trust me, I've got some good stories on that off the side if we ever want to touch on those. So. Sure. So after you get done with phase one, uh, you come back to your state. Um, that's why it's a traditional program. And right now we just started our phase two class. We've had one drill, and we're rolling into our second drill here in September. So phase, so phase two is now, it's not necessarily a full-time 40-hour-a-week thing. It's it's what, drill weekends only? That's correct. It's a drill weekend only. Uh, we refer to it as a mutify, but basically starts Friday evening and goes Saturday all day and then all day Sunday. Um, phase two is heavy into academics. Uh, there's six exams. There used to be eight. Now it's down to six. Mm-hmm. There are a few physical activities, like you'll still do a diagnostic APFT, not every drill. The, and that's the PT that's test. That's the PT test. Right. But you have a nine-mile foot march. Um, that requires a candidate to carry 30 to 35 pounds, and there's a certain time that they have to make that in as well. And then they also have a 12-mile foot march as well. Hmm. So we spread that out where we do the 9-mile at the very beginning, like uh, it's scheduled for September, and then we have the 12-mile 12 mile in February or Where March. is that actually located? Where do you do that ruck march at? So we've done it a couple places. So if you're familiar with Pleasant Valley, Pleasant Valley Road here in uh, – you know, Which Boise, Idaho. Just, just south of Gowan, right? That's correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll go very close to the railroad tracks, basically go three miles out and three miles back. Oh, well. Uh, and is that with a ruck or is that just no, no ruck? No, that's with the with your ruck. Your ruck has to weigh 30 to 35 pounds. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and now recently, actually, uh, with the help of um, the Air Force, the guards here on um, Gowan, we'll, we'll go right here next to that big tower, and there's a circle track, and we use that for our 9 and our 12-mile. Gotcha. So, okay. So after you do phase two, 
Uh, and towards the end of phase two, it's heavy into uh, sticks lanes, which is situational exercise lanes, things like take out a bunker or how to do an air, uh, an an ambush. An ambush, yeah. uh-huh. Sorry, I got caught up with the word assault. No, so how okay. to do a, an ambush or how to do a movement to contact. We teach that at the end of phase two, and then phase three, they go back to South Dakota for two weeks. Why there? It's heavy on squad sticks, and then sticks being situational exercises. What, okay, so so what do you mean by by sticks or situational exercises? Yep, so you'll be assigned as a squad leader. You'll be in charge of a squad, which is officer candidates, and then they'll give you a mission in an operation order, which is a five-paragraph op order. Hey, you're going to go to this point, and you're going to take out a bunker, or you're going to conduct an ambush. Or you're going to move to contact or do a recon, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to see that you can take charge of that squad just as a platoon leader would as a commission officer and that you can receive a mission and then conduct the mission in accordance with the guidelines in that operational order. So you do that at squad level, then they increase it to platoon level, and then there's actually a company level mission that they do where some select individuals get to be the company commander and they run a company mission. And that's over two-week period. Nice. After those two weeks, if you complete all of that, and typically from the time you start in January of phase zero to complete a phase three, it's 18 months. Hmm. You go back to your state, and you commission as a second lieutenant in the United States Army. Now, they also do in South Dakota the graduation ceremony there at Mount Rushmore. It's actually a really cool event. Oh, nice. Um, so they still go through that. But ours, like, for example, here in September, we're doing our commissioning ceremony. And it's actually exciting because it's the class that I started with in January to watch these individuals um, start, come in. You know, they're hesitant, they're nervous, and then to make it to where they are now as second lieutenants. You know what I really like about the officer candidate program for the Idaho Army National Guard specifically? It's really kind of managed and done locally. Yeah, you got to go two weeks out at the beginning, what, two weeks in the end to, was it North Dakota? South Dakota. South Dakota, Uh excuse me, South Dakota. But for two and a half days out of the month, one week in a month, you can kind of work. You what you do? You work on your progression to become an officer part time. It's it's manageable with your full time job and with a family. And once you commission, you go through your training, and you come back as a second lieutenant. That's how it's going to be. You're going to have your one week in a month, two weeks out of the year, unless you're in the 116th Brigade, and that's going to be a future episode coming up where we're going to talk about this new um, training cycle. But another topic. Um, but it's manageable, and that's what makes it so unique. It's not like active duty where you're doing it 40 hours a day for three to four months or whatever that full-time OCS program is. But even though it's part-time, you still have, you know, I had uh, Lieutenant Barney from the from uh, my office here in the Visual Information. He was an OCS candidate, mm-hmm. and he worked out here full-time as well. So I got to see a little bit of what he went through with a lot of the email traffic and communication that's expected to be maintained in between drill because – from my understanding, sir, these officer candidates are planning, <clears throat> excuse me, are planning for each drill coming up. There's things happening just like it would be once they're an officer. Yep, no different. That's an outstanding point that you bring that up. You can still maintain, a, you know, a full-time job, and that's what's great about the traditional program. You would still have the requirements if you're in the Guard to complete your annual training, which is two weeks out of the year, right? So you do that at phase one. And then you do it again the next year at phase three. That's your annual training for that year. And you're getting all the all the benefits of being in the guard, right? The pay and the full the full gamut. That's right? correct. You do. And actually, as an officer candidate, if you make it through phase zero, you get promoted to an E six and get paid as an E six through the program. So, before we go into the next topic, I want I, th- I think it's important to explain exactly 
what an officer even does? What What is the role of an officer within a military formation? Yeah, so that's a really good question. Obviously, our officers are our managers of our personnel. They're the leaders, the supervisors that make the decisions and determine how things are going to get done and in which way. You know, So the officer is in charge, uh, depending on what level, like a platoon leader has a platoon that they're responsible. Typically, that's anywhere from 30 to 50 individuals. Um, and then you eventually make it up to a company commander, which that could be anywhere from 80 to 130 individuals or more. So... And then, you know, with the, and the neat thing, and we, we mentioned this in the past with the previous episode, a company commander or captain is equivalent to a mid-level or mid-grade manager in the private sector. I've been in the Army for eight and a half years now, and I'm in charge of 78 people, their lives, you know, the outcomes of their training, um, really everything that's involved with these soldiers. And I'm 28 years old, and I don't, I don't think I have any of my civilian counterpart friends who have jobs in the private sector with that kind of responsibility this early in the game. So it's a neat opportunity within the Idaho Army National Guard to be able to get to do that and do it part-time. Yeah, and that's great. Before we get to that next question, it's a really good point because these officer candidates, that's why it's so mentally and physically challenging because we want to make sure that when they're put in charge of these individuals that they make the right choices. That's going to affect not only their lives but also their families as well. So very good point. Cool. Okay. Warrant officers. That's, there's another piece. We have these warrant officers, and from my understanding, you have a training program for these warrant officers. Tell me about your warrant officer school program and applying for the traditional program. Okay, outstanding question. So the warrant officers, just remember for those that are listening, they are our tactical and technical experts. Those uh, warrant officers and individuals typically are E6 or E7. They have prior experience in the military before they make that decision to become a warrant officer. So our program, again, it's usually is going on side-by-side at the same time at Officer Cannon School. It's a, it's a three-phase program. There's a distance learning in phase one where they prepare you for the things that are going to happen during phase two. <coughs> um, once you complete that phase one program, then you start our phase two, which is the traditional. Just like Officer Cannon School, you have the Muta 5, the three days that starts on you know Friday evening, goes till Sunday. And during that five months, you're, uh, there's a couple pretty grueling exams that you uh, prepare for and take. You also have a 6.2-mile foot march. Um, you have a record APFT, which is that physical fitness test for the Army, um, there, and then a whole bunch of other inspections that you'll complete with the tax. Uh, so warrant officers have tax. Officer candidates have platoon trainers, and I'll touch bases on what a TAC in, you know, here is. Sure, sure. So then you complete that phase two, and then uh, here in Idaho we support – uh, Camp Atterbury, Indiana, for the Warrant Officer School. Again, there's other places that you can go, like Fort Rucker, Alabama. But we support Camp Atterbury. You go to Phase 3, and that's your annual training. It's a 16-day. You'll go there, and uh, basically you'll complete a lot of some of the requirements that you completed in Phase 2, but it's um, a lot more grueling with attacks, uh, difficult physical, mental uh, timelines, things like that. The, so I guess I understand in depth the training requirements and the reasoning behind the training and what the training end state is for officers. But for warrant officers, I guess I've never really spoken to about it with anybody. Is it leadership centric? I mean, uh, is that what their training is leadership centric? Are they looking at more? Do you have the ability to complete a, a technical task under a lot of pressure? So it's what you said in the latter. They are still going to become a leader because they're an officer, but they commanders rely on the warrant officer to be their technical and tactical expert. Whether that be if it's flying a helicopter or maintenance 
or logistics or supply, whatever that they're expertise is in the commanders rely on them and that's what they are learn you know they learn and teach during the warrant officer candidate school so that's the training centric is is correct they're learning to teach that's correct i see okay um let's go ahead and move forward here platoon trainers if you know let's say i'm in the idaho army national guard and you know i want to be a part i want to be an instructor i want to be a part of shaping the future leadership and warrant officers within the Idaho Army National Guard and be attack or, you know, quote-unquote drill sergeant, which you're not, but to be a black hat or attack. What's that process? So, excellent question. So, before we touch on that, you know, there's always been a stigma here in the Idaho Guard that if you went to the re- regional training institute, uh, you would get pigeonholed, what we'd call stuck in that position for a while. Uh, the times have changed now where the broadening assignment and becoming an instructor or a platoon trainer or attack is a broadening assignment. For example, I'm an aviator, mm-hmm. and here I am as an officer candidate commander. Um, this is a broadening assignment for me. It's outside my realm of my, you know, branch. Com- com- in your comfort zone, my what, comfort you're, zone. what you're used to. Correct. Yeah. So to become a platoon trainer or an instructor or attack, the very first process that you need to start is to complete FIFIC, which is the Foundation Instructor Facilitator course. Okay, and that's, that's a course that we put on local here right here in the Idaho Army National Guard. And even if you're not thinking about becoming an instructor platoon trainer, this is a good feather to put in your hat to go get FIFA completed. Um, and again, we teach it here. We actually have a course coming up in October. I believe it's October 18th through the 26th. Uh-huh. Uh, get enrolled in, in the ATARS, which is for us here in the Army, is a, a catalog where you can pick the schools you want to go to. But go to that Become FIFIC qualified. It will not just help you become an instructor, platoon trainer, or tech, but it will help you in your unit. Um, so that's the first step. Makes Go sense. ahead. Well, I was, I'm just I'm sitting here smiling because I'm like, boy, if if you're not if you're not in the military and you're not used to hearing these acronyms, it's got to be it's got to be a completely different language for you, like FIFIC and and all these different acronyms we use. And you know, if you join the, if you join our organization, that's something you learn. You learn to talk the talk and walk the walk with us. It's just, it's just. I find it, I find it rather interesting. But um, yeah, any, if, you, if you were a civilian and you heard FIFIC, <laughs> you're like, well, what is that? So but, yeah, exactly. But that's definitely the first step. Uh, as an instructor, if you complete FIFIC, you also get the hotel aid identifier. You're now a qualified instructor. How do I know if I'm the right fit? Because I would think to be an instructor for OCS or WOCS, you need to be of a certain build, right? You need to be have a certain personality or a certain mentality, and you got to. In my opinion, you got to really care. I mean, you got to truly care about about training these these soldiers. Um, What kind of personality are you looking for, or how do I know if I'm the right build for this? Yeah, that's an outstanding question. So, typically, for our instructors or platoon trainers that are interested, I like to meet with them. Also, the battalion commander, Colonel Hicks, might meet with them. Um, Some of the platoon trainers that have been there might get an interview, but it is a personality. There are very few individuals that can do very well at a platoon trainer. But they're a great instructor, and that's their forte. That's where they fit in. Then you have individuals that enjoy the platoon trainer, and they like that getting-in-your-face mentality, so they're great for that phase zero, the phase one. Phase two and phase three of OCS is now you're more mentoring these officer candidates. So some people like that, Wilm, and their personality fits that. So it's as me as a commander to determine what you know, who fits that well. And right now we have some excellent individuals, Captain Self, Captain Gardner, who actually, again, that stigma of staying there, they're about to transition out and we're going to get some new platoon trainers in. Um, they 
Captain Self is an excellent mentor at that phase two, and Captain Garner is that excellent in your face at that phase zero, phase one level. So that's got to be a lot of fun. I mean, <clears throat> when you think about it, I mean, my personality, I have no problem getting in somebody's face and 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 bringing out the knife hands and breaking somebody down. But I would think for me, it'd be even more equally rewarding, even more so rewarding to build, move into that mentorship and having that experience with them, breaking them down and building them back up and to, to training them and molding them to be a future leader. Yeah, by far, that's the most amazing thing about our job. We work, a lot of people don't realize, just as I did it before going into second month, we have very long days. We start typically at 5, 4.30 in the morning, and we go until 10 o'clock at night. If the officer candidates or warrant officers are up, we're up with them. But to watch these individuals mold over 18 months or the warrant officer candidate program, you know, in the six or seven months, is you, you can't beat that. You go home at night, you know, and you feel good that you did something right with these individuals. So. What ranks, I mean, what rank do you generally got to be to be able to come into this? Yeah, so we're looking at, so on the listed side, typically an E5 that's going to be promoted to an E6 is an, E6 is an instructor. And then as a... What do you mean by E5? Oh, yeah, good question. So a, a sergeant... Uh, in the Army is okay. an E-5, and then an E-6 is a staff sergeant. Okay. So they're qualified if they're an E-6 to be an instructor. That platoon trainer is a sergeant first class, which is an E-7. And then on the officer side, it's it's a O-3, which is a captain. And we're looking for an individual that has completed company command. Um, one, because of their career progression, they need that's more important than that broadening assignment prior to getting you know get their company command done. Um, but that's what we're looking for is an O three, uh, a company a captain. Okay, uh, Major Reed, I want to be an OCS. How do I do that? Who do I need to reach out to, and when can I start? So that's an excellent question. So, the officer strength manager for recruiting and retention is Captain uh, Clint Miller. Uh, he's an outstanding individual uh, that knows the requirements because there are certain requirements to become an officer. So he can be. You can reach out to him uh, for the OCS program. And uh, he's, again, here local on Gowan Field uh, and rooting, recruiting and retention. And if, if you actually wanted to reach out to him, I don't think we have his phone number on us at this time. Uh, sorry about that. But uh, you can probably talk to any local recruiter in your area or even come to our Facebook, our uh, Defend What Matters Most Facebook webpage or our Facebook social media site, and you can reach out to there, and we can make sure that we get you in contact with Captain Miller. That's correct. Or I've had individuals uh, that before they reach out to Captain Miller, they come and talk to me, and I give them kind of the the lowdown on what is with OCS. And here's the thing, too, is I let them know up front that how I am with them during one-on-one, if they come in officer candidate school, I'm completely different. Mm. When I put that black hat on, I'm I'm a little bit different, okay? Um, But they can contact me. As well, and I'm out here full time. Yeah, you. I think you'd scare. I'm, again, Major Reed was my company commander as a cadet, and uh, I think he put that hat on every once in a while with me when he was uh, training me up to be a future lieutenant. And I got some interesting stories. I'd love to tell them, and uh, I'm pretty sure everybody get a kick out of it. But I can't. There's not enough time here. Um, I'm sorry if I if I miss this, but when is the next class starting? Yeah, so we actually have our phase zero starting here in January. And so, and Captain Miller is looking for in- individuals, not just individuals that are already in the Guard, but individuals that are interested in coming into the Guard. And you can do that. You can go to basic training and then start our Phase Zero next year in 2019. Or if you've completed basic and AIT and you're looking to be a leader in the Idaho Guard, go talk to Captain Miller about OCS for Phase Zero January. Perfect. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Just real quick, the Warrant Officer class 
uh, or warrant officer candidate. If you would like to be interested in a warrant officer candidate, contact CW2 Ben Jensen. He's at recruiting and retention as well. The warrant officer progress or process is very more detailed than the officer candidate. Uh, it takes a little bit more time. So if you're looking to start when we start in April, uh, you might be a little bit behind the power curve and you might have to look till April of 2019. Well, outstanding. Major Reed, again, um, mentor of mine. I've, I've known you for about eight years now. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. It's my pleasure. So again, for those who are listening, this is a bi-weekly podcast and we want to talk about hot topics and monthly themes. And this month was the officer candidate and uh, warrant officer candidate program. If for any reason you have, or for, you know, if you have um, any sort of reservation about joining the Guard, I encourage you to reach out to somebody you know who is in the Guard or give me a call, 208-272-3707, and I'd love to talk with you about what it's like to even be an officer within the Idaho Army National Guard. Or maybe you're interested in the enlisted route. I can put you in contact with uh, plenty of recruiters or soldiers who are already in the Idaho Army National Guard who can give you um, their experiences and things like that. You can always go to our Facebook, um, the Idaho Army National Guard Facebook page, and uh, or go to our external website. So anyways, again, thank you for listening. I do want your feedback. You can uh, shoot me a phone call or come see me in person, and I uh, want to know what your thoughts are and what we can do to improve this podcast and, this, and uh, all these episodes. And if you want to be on the show, come talk to me. Uh, Major Reed actually approached me about a month ago and said he wanted to come on the show and talk about um, his program, and that's exactly what this was designed for. So come and see me. We can talk about it. We can put it out there and um, have a good time. So, again, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you in two weeks. <laughs>